Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Welcome back to the Become Fire podcast. This is Brother Elijah DeLello, your host. I was going to put an ad, uh, adjective in there to describe myself, but I decided not to do that. You should. I didn't know what to say. I, I got nervous. Uh, as usual. Delightful, I think, is a good word for you. Well, thank you, Father. Our delightful host, Brother Elijah. Wow. Well, maybe maybe we should all get an adjective today. <laughs> the, the the wonderful Father Peter Teresa and the, kindly. the leading strong Indomitable. Father Anthony... <laughs> <laughs> Indomitable. Okay, well, you learned a little bit about all of us in that little... Yes. And how we view each other. I feel I feel right. regret is what I feel. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to do uh, a little something that we did a couple episodes ago. We're just going to take a couple of different questions today. Um, sometimes we get some questions that we're not sure that we should spend a whole time, or maybe it's more that we just... We're not... Well, it's like a mailbag episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we, we we just don't have that much to say about certain things. <laughs> but or uh, if we did say more than we, there, maybe we do, and it'd just be kind of get boring. After we, a while. we would be rambling. We want to spare the people. Yes, yeah. it's an act of charity. Uh, you can thank us later. Um, so we're going to cover a couple of things today. Um, <clears throat> mindful that soon and very soon we will all be sitting at a table enjoying some wonderful turkey. Mm. Stuffing, love Thanksgiving. mashed taters. I love mashed taters. Maybe some McDonald's chicken nuggets. Probably none of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we will we will include. There's that. nothing wrong with that though. If you want to join McDonald's on Thanksgiving, how about it? Oh yeah. Well, I, I come from an Italian family, so we would have meatballs at Thanksgiving. Wow, interesting. I mean, you'd have the turkey and stuff too, but you right. also would have. Wow. A whole lot of meatballs and pasta and sausage. Wow, it was, that's man, that sounds delightful. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. I need to stop talking about it though, or you're going to hear my Jersey accent come out. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to draw out, actually. <laughs> so we're going to uh, talk about a couple of things again today. Um, but the first thing uh, is we've we've had some questions about cremation. Hmm. So uh, maybe just you know. Um, Again, we are celebrating all souls, so I think that this does yeah. tie in pretty well. Um, but, uh, you know, when we die as, as Catholics, as baptized Catholics, um, that we receive uh, the promise of Jesus, that if we live faithfully to him, that um, his grace will save us, that when we appear at the judgment, that his grace and his blood will cover us. Um, but, you know, we, we know that we need to have a good Catholic burial, uh, preferably uh, a mass for for uh, our loved ones who who pass away and and for ourselves. Uh, but what what are the church's teachings about cremation? What do what do we need to know about that, Father Anthony? Oh, that, that's a, a great question. Um, so we have to look at history first because for a long time the church forbid cremation, and, mm-hmm. and the reason for that was for fear that there was not a, a respect of and belief in the resurrection of the body. So the church wanted to make sure people understood, we believe in the resurrection of the body. And uh, oftentimes, pagan rituals would have the burning of bodies because they're like, your body doesn't matter anymore. And, you know, you're, you're just, maybe your spirit lives on, depending on what they believed, but we don't believe that the body uh, ever reunites with the soul. And so there was, and the church wanted to separate itself from those traditions. And it wanted to say, no, 
we believe in the resurrection of the body. So the dignity of the body deserves, even after death, the body has dignity. Why? Because the body's going to be resurrected. And we can talk about that a whole different because it's like, yes, it is going to turn to ashes, but we still believe that body has dignity and that, that there will be a resurrection. Obviously, it's going to take a new form, but that, that the body deserves respect even after death. Well, the church did eventually uh, move towards the allowance of cremation. And I forget, I think it's a, around Vatican II. I'm not sure if it's that recent, but um, the church yeah, I mean, her, in the her, 60s, I think, yeah. allowed cremation um, with very, very strict guidelines, mm-hmm. though. Um, because one, it said, okay, we have to recognize the, the resurrection of the body, but we understand financially it's very hard. Burials are very expensive right now, and we want to care for the people of God. So we are going to allow cremation, but we need to make sure that, uh, one, we believe in the resurrection of the body. They, despite the cremation, this body is going to be resurrected. So the body cannot be separated. So there, right. there cannot be a, okay, let's, let's cremate, you know, uh, Grandpa Steve, and then we're going to give a little bit of his ashes to all the family members, right. you know, or and we're going to divide his body or even scattering his ashes. We would say, no, no, the body still deserves dignity and respect. It needs to be put in a sacred place, preferably a Catholic cemetery. It's a blessed ground, it's consecrated ground. Right. Um, where the body, <clears throat> and, and not necessarily in the ground, I know there's also, uh, I forget what they're called, but the, where you can put them in a, uh, yeah, it's escaping me right now too. That's the, hilarious. Yeah, the, the, um, with the standing, the, the little buildings they have at the cemetery yeah. that bodies can go into. Um, so not necessarily in the ground, but a, a consecrated place, a sacred place mm-hmm. that you can put the body in, um, in a Catholic cemetery. Um, and and so we uh, we keep the body together. We don't a mausoleum. It. A mausoleum. Thank you. Uh, That's what I'm here for. Great, great job. Five <laughs> we, points, Father. Yeah, thank you. The delightful. Is it delightful? No, you're wonderful. He's delightful. Yes, I'm okay. full of wonder. <laughs> yeah, well, you, that was that. That knowledge was wonderful. Um, so, so he he's have, wondering. Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering. Uh, yes. how you how you pulled that out of the thin air? But uh, that was beautiful. So anyway, the body can't be separated. <clears throat> Two, the body has to be put in, in, into a, a sacred place. So you mm-hmm. can't just keep it in your on your living room mantle. Right. Right. You can't say we're going to keep you know uh, this person. We're going to leave him in the living room. We're going to because that's not respect to the body. Right? Respect to the body is to bury the body and to put the body in consecrated ground and um, to have a Catholic burial. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the, the church really wants to ensure, and this is the problem it has with cremation, is it's so likely and so often, and I've, I've had people come to me and said, hey, oh, here's, you know, so my friend was buried and they made all these lockets with their ashes and yeah. I don't know what to do with this. And I was like, oh, Lord have mercy. And, uh, and I was like, okay, well, I'll go bon- bury it in consecrated ground. You know, it's not there all of their body, but at least a part of it. Right. Um, and so things like this, and people scattering ashes, and people keeping ashes in their homes. Um, so we would say, um, this person is worthy. Even their body, even their ashes are worthy of dignity. That dignity is worthy of a Catholic funeral. And mm-hmm. that Catholic funeral, after the Catholic funeral, is to move towards a Catholic burial. Usually immediately. Right. Um, for certain cases, there could be like, no, we're taking the body. We're having the funeral here. We're taking the body to another state, but then we're going to bury it like mm-hmm. within a very short time frame. So this is, this is kind of the church is allowing it, but it's very strict in its allowance as, for a Catholic. You've got to follow all these other aspects right. of cremation. Yeah, it's not the mind of the church. The church does not have in mind that this is what happens to uh her deceased members that the church envisions the church has in mind that the body is present uh, for a funeral mass and that then we um, bury the individual uh, their body but but as you're saying father there are you know reasons why the church allows for this to happen now but um, but they 
should be exceptional. Uh, they're not the norm. Uh, they should be the exception to the rule and not and not the the norm of, of what happens in in Christians and how we um you know how we how we treat our dead. And you're talking about the great reference to the body and just even um just even thinking that. You know, I, I, you might have reasons for why you would want, you know, to keep so and so on your mantle and that, and, um, but, but one of the things that that we are called to do is is to pray for the dead, um, and that, and, and that people visit cemeteries and, and and pray for the dead, and that, um, you know, the the brothers are are visiting cemeteries right now this month of November and praying for all the deceased in our care, um, and to think that those souls are being deprived of those prayers um, because they're not there. You know what I mean? They, we don't know to pray for them um, because they are not there. And so um, I think that's just a, a, another reason, maybe a spiritual reason, maybe not a primary reason, but why it would be important to um, inter our beloved dead in a place that is set aside for that, um, to care for them in, in that way. And I would say uh, the Vatican, I'm pretty sure in its document, actually declares that disrespect of the cremains is sacrilegious sure um and that that's obviously you know that, that's a high level so what does sacrilegious yeah. mean i mean against religion right so it's you're going against the religion of the catholic faith mm-hmm. um which is what's a sinful so it's sinful to disrespect the body of a deceased person whether it's cremated or not and but that includes the cremains it's disrespectful mm-hmm. it's against our religion to take that body and to you do think scatter the ashes um, divide those ashes among people, leave the, leave the ashes in, in the home. This is against the religion, sacrilegious. Um, and so it is, it is a big deal. And the church in her mercy, because of you know, obviously financial reasons and et cetera, has allowing cremation in her great mercy, but um, to try and take advantage of that. Um, and and I, I mean, one, if you're living, to make sure your relatives know, hey, this is what I want, I want my body buried, yeah. preferably. But if, you know, for, if for whatever reason it has to be cremated, like it bury it, they bury the cremains. Yeah. To respect that, and then um, if there's some family member, if you're, you have a relative who died, and they're trying to do something that is sacrilegious, to do as your best, as, as best you're able to stop it from happening. Yeah. Because we have to show due respect to the body, because we believe in the resurrection. I think you and I were having this conversation the other day in the kitchen, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about this. And you, I think you brought up the point to me that it's um, just a lot more economically viable to to do cremains, um, and I think a lot of people opt for for that um just out of the economics of it and and i would say that 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 is um that that would be unjust i think um to i think that that like regardless of your economic status that you should have a right to bury your loved one uh, that i think that there's something unfortunate that um that people might be making these decisions based upon some level of economic necessity because of how expensive it might be for a casket and things like that. And, um, there's, a, there's an injustice there that, you know, individuals should have the right to bury their loved one as, a, as, the, as their faith asks them without um, being so overly burdened um, financially. And can I say, I'm sure there's cheap ways to do it. I'm sure, <laughs> get the Pinewood box. Sure. You know, yeah. I, I know it's kind of yeah. like, oh, if we're going to bury the person, we got to get the nice casket and everything else. It's like, no, it's okay. Like, get the, it may not look very good, yeah. but get the Pinewood box, mm-hmm. you know, and, and talk to the funeral home and be like, what's the most economic way we can bury this mm-hmm. body? And maybe, no, we can't keep the body stored for two weeks to get all the family here. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, we just have to do it sooner rather than later. And, and maybe there's some decisions we have to make as a family for economic reasons. And no, we can't transport it from this to, to that to that. 
because it just it's yeah. costly. Um, we're just going to the, the church as soon as they're ready, and we're going to the cemetery as, yeah. soon, as soon as we can because this is what it's going to take. But I would say look into those and say first question should be if this is a financial reason. What what is the what is the is there a way I can financially get to the place yeah. where I can bury the body of my deceased relative? What's the cheapest things we can do? Yeah. And work with the funeral home if possible, if you have those yeah. means, because mm-hmm. I think again this is we kind of we have to recognize because our society is just moving away from belief in the resurrection. We become yes. very scientific and say, well, these ashes, how are they going to be resurrected, etc. But we say, no, God's going to resurrect. We have to respect mm-hmm. without being overly morbid. I just want to go on record as saying that I want to be buried in my, I just want to be, I want my casket to be my habit. I want to be sewed shut. I want my habit to be sewed shut. That's monastic. That's very monastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, So just a little momentum where remembering my death every time I put my habit on that this is, this is what I'll be wearing, you know, as as I'm, as I'm laid in. So it's very convenient. Very convenient. Yes. Um, Maybe just to wrap up this specific topic, but um, maybe like a minute or two. If someone is already cremated, does that then mean that they can't have, uh, you know, a, a funeral mass for that person? Uh, and then maybe just briefly to why it's important to have a funeral mass for our deceased relatives. Yeah, I'll take the first, and Father can take the second. But the first is, um, yes, you can still have a funeral mass. But um, I know in, in this church, and I think all churches, we have you have to declare we're going to bury this these ashes mm-hmm. and bury them immediately basically immediately or give me a reason why they're not buried immediately like i'm going to another city to bury um and uh and so yes but you can you have a right as a catholic to a catholic funeral and we will you will do funerals with cremains but we will still do the procession over the cemetery and bury those cremains right after the funeral mass so first and foremost why it's important to have a funeral mass is that um our our mass our liturgy is is our is our highest prayer. It is our most perfect prayer. It is the remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross offered for our sins to the Father. Um, and so to offer that for that soul is, is the best thing you can do for that person um, in, in, in way, as a way to, to love them and care for them and, and not knowing the state of their soul if they are in, in we don't know if they're in heaven, but you know, um, we were kind of talking a week or so ago about purgatory and that that's where most people end up, and so to offer that prayer for them is so important. Um, so primarily, it's it's for them and it's about them. But then I think secondarily, it is also very important for us as their grieving loved ones to to have that ritual uh, as a way of of mourning, as a way of grieving, as a way of saying goodbye, as a way of um, of 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 bringing God into it, um, and and those rituals are, are so important and so powerful, and, and they can speak to us, and then they can lift us up. They can give us hope. And so, um, and there's a way in which as we come together as the body of Christ and celebrate this powerful ritual, um, our, our liturgy, that, that it then edifies our spirits and our souls to then to continue to run our race well um, in the hopes that one day that, that we will be reunited with our Lord and with our loved ones. Yeah. I would assume, too, just... Very comforting for the families to be able to pray. Yeah. Very good, fathers. Exemplary job. <laughs> we can transition to the next topic with with great confidence. Um, I didn't realize how well these topics fit together. Did not do this on purpose, hmm. but um, it seems like there's a theme of prayer going on here. Um, but there was a question about the Angelus and the Regina Celi. So if we can talk about... Um, both just, you know, maybe the, 
you know, sometimes it's hard with some of these things in the in the Catholic Church to really trace the exact beginnings or, or where these things are coming from. But there's usually some, you know, at least ideas out there. Uh, but where these prayers might have come from. But then also, I think more importantly, you know, when would we uh, traditionally pray them, uh, whether it be different liturgical seasons of the year or different times of the day? Um, so if we can start maybe with the Angelus. So what is this prayer? Where, where did it come from? And you know, just traditionally, when has it been prayed? So it's a, it's a Marian prayer. So the Angelus and the Regina Celi are, are prayers um, about or to Our Lady. Uh, and so the Angelus has to do with the angel announcing the incarnation to Our Lady uh, and the Regina Celi uh, as, her, as a prayer recognizing her as the, as the Queen of Heaven. Uh, so, so they would be typically be prayed at uh, six noon and six as uh, the, the traditional time when these when these prayers would be prayed. Just kind of breaking up the day, the beginning of the day, uh, the midday, and then at the the eve of the day, uh, the evening. And the Angelus would be prayed uh, all year year round, uh, and then the Regina Chaley would be prayed during the the season of Easter. Um, so those are the times that, uh, the seasons in which we would pray them, uh, the times of the day in which we would pray them, and, and just um, what the prayers are, are about in some respect. Um, so the, the Angelus came about because of a reminder, it was a reminder, the monks, to remind themselves of the Annunciation that uh, Mary received from Gabriel, right, and that, that she received. And it was typically, I'm pretty sure if I know, it was done uh, in the evening. So post-Compline, mm. they would pray three Hail Marys in a row mm. at the end of the day. And it was kind of the last thing you do is you, you turn to Our Lady and you remind yourself that, um, that, she, that you remind yourself of the beautiful moment of the incarnation where Mary said yes, where the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and his, his greeting, hail, hail full of grace, hail Mary full of grace. Um, I, I, I stop. It was, the greeting was hail full of grace. Her name is full of grace. Yes. I just love it so much. <laughs> uh, um, so, but so they would do that. Well, over time, um, and so, and still now, our after night prayer, we do a Marian antiphon. Every as a reminder of of what the, Our Lady's yes, a Marian prayer in the incarnation, a Marian yeah. prayer, um, and and then we, uh, it just over time, it developed that the bells would ring um, when it was a reminder to people to pray three straight Hail Marys, um, so that it kind of developed in the evening, you know, the six p.m. ring of bells. Um, and over time, I'm not as clear on this history, but I'm pretty sure over time um, that the, the noon and the 6 a.m. came about as a kind of a throughout the day reminder and to pray for the deceased, um, mm-hmm. to pray for those who had passed, um, which you get the, the ring because the ringing of the bells of the church is, is, you, is oftentimes to tell the, the community someone has died. Um, but it's also a call to prayer. And so this ringing of the bells is kind of doing two. It's, remind, it's reminding you of church, but also reminding you of death. And so at three, noon, uh, at these three times a day, you kind of remember the yes that Mary gave and appropriate for all souls, you pray for the souls who have departed. It just makes me think, as you're saying all this, just um, how beautiful a Christian society would be. Um, and, and especially when, when everyone in the town you know, believes and that the town, you can ring the bells um, at, at six at noon at six and that everyone knows what this is and everyone is, is it maybe it, may not praying the angels, but is acknowledging and offering some sort of prayer, remembering Our Lady and, and just how, um, that there's a, 
there's there's a poverty in our own society and our own culture where um, we don't really have that that kind of unity um, uh, with, with with that the faith can bring. Um, and so, so many times it's just left up to the individual, you know, and and that's hard to do. It's hard for us as just one individual to carry these practices. But um, but I do. I would just offer an encouragement. You got your phone? Just put a little reminder on your phone. Uh, at noon and just pause and to pray. Maybe you pray the Angelus. I'm sure you can find an app on your phone that, that would teach you how to pray it. And, and then at six as well. And um, just as a way of just incorporating little moments of just reminders for us to call us back to the most important thing, which is prayer. So Brother Elijah and Father Petrius and I were actually at St. Peter's. We are meeting with the architects of the new church we're building at St. Anthony. And there had been, we were discussing kind of the interior of the church, what we're going to do with pews and all that, and kind of walking through all of it. But there's been a, the, the church had burned down the year, around 2000. Mm-hmm. And one of the only things to survive from the old church is the bell. Yeah. So the bell has a lot of meaning to that church. Yeah. And a lot of people wanted to put the bell in the bell tower. But for all these reasons, they were kind of saying, you know, uh, for, it was, it was going to be really expensive to do and really not worth doing. So they were going to put the bell kind of outside the church on a smaller Stand uh, this is according to the architect, and then but then put like uh, uh, digital bells up in the bell tower, mm. and obviously that was you know the, the community wasn't real happy about it, but it's just kind of like we think we have to do this financially, et cetera. Well, actually, we I don't know if you guys have know this, but we were sitting there, and the St. Peter's does the Angelus bells at noon, mm-hmm. so at noon they start ringing the bell, and it's to call the whole school to stop and to pray the Angelus. Yeah. And so we were sitting there, and we kind of stopped when the bells rang, and uh, and and he was like. And, we're, and I'm, oh wow, like it works. Yeah, like he saw us hear the bells and stop for the Angelus, and and he was he was so touched by that. He's like, we have to put the bell up in the bell tower. Yeah, and actually shift and he actually, actually they had already had built the the bell tower. He had to restructure the interior. I love it so to much. get the bell up in there that, that in such a way that the bell could be in the bell tower because he saw what impact with us that noon noon came and he's like, we gotta pray, mm-hmm. and and how that touched his heart. And so it's just a sign of, of how beauty, beautiful it is. And I know in our modern society, we like, don't like to publicly pray. Mm-hmm. It's really sad uh, um, that like you're, you, it's like at a mealtime with your you know, coworkers or your schoolmates, and you've got your lunch there, and you're normally praying, and you're like, uh, I'm just going to like quietly close my eyes for a second and play a quick prayer because I don't want to like make the sign of the cross and publicly right. pray because I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to, you know, whatever the case may be. But actually, those are the moments, even that little sign of the cross. Mm-hmm. A little like someone's talking, but like just one second, and you say prayer. It can be such a witness, it can be such of such a witness value to people that that these middle moments at noon we say I'm stopping and praying. I don't care if I have a meeting. I don't care what's going on. And our Catholic souls, I highly encourage it. But if there's teachers out there, that we just stop at noon and we pray. We pray the Angelus. Um, and I'm obviously six a.m. and six p.m. if you're you're able. But um, th- this is this is a call to just stop throughout the day and just remind ourselves of obviously the incarnation. That Mary said yes, the great, one of the greatest moments in the history of our world, yeah. and for our own hearts, that we we're, we have to have a life that centers around the Lord, centers around prayer. Not to go like on a a tangent, but it's just the just the theology of a bell and a church bell is just so important and powerful. And and saints like John Cashin would say that you know bells drive away demons. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that we the church has actually has rites and prayers for for consecrating and baptizing bells and giving them names and. Uh, and they're just such an important part of the church. And, and there's, it's not just because they make a pretty sound, um, but there's spiritual power uh, and, and, and the tolling of a bell. Um, and just that we go, 
sometimes when we bless and exercise houses, we'll bring the handbells and, and ring the bells. We do it to get all the demons out of the house because, um, because it's a blessed bell and it's a, it's a blessed sound and it's a it's a sacramental and, it, and there's grace being imparted to when you hear the bell and and so there was a grace happening in that that architect. You know what I mean? That yeah. the you know the whatever you know spirit of convenience was trying to convince us to to take a shortcut in our church the bell rang and it was gone and, and grace came and 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 so uh that's just so awesome so beautiful yeah. amen can i just say i just love the painting the angelus mm. um by uh, i think it's french so i mean i want to say millet but it's i think it's like millet millet uh for uh, <laughs> uh none of us are french forgive us yeah sorry but uh, i like french fries but <laughs> Uh, so, but I, th- I find the painting so is because you have this this couple out in the fields, like working. The field, oh yes, okay. And you can see the church in the background, yes. and they just you can see them stop and they have their heads bowed, and, and you just it says the angels. So you yes. know that they're hearing the, the bell yes. ring, and that's calling them to prayer. It's such a beautiful. No, that is a great their work and praying. Yeah. And I don't know how true this is, but I've I've heard that it's possible that Saint Bonaventure is actually the one that that. Drew up the Angelus. Yeah, prayer. there's a lot of Franciscan so. traditions around it that they think that perhaps maybe Francis instituted something like that after he visited the the Saracens mm-hmm. camp and and saw their call to prayer a couple of times a day and and, mm-hmm. and so um, I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, it, it certainly. So, I like it. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> I, I was a Franciscan. We can take credit for it. And, <laughs> you know, our devotion to Our Lady is. We well, certainly know he recommends doing the three Hail Marys after Compline. Yeah, that's a part yeah. of what he writes. Yeah. Okay, well, once again, that fit in very nicely. The Angelus, a call to prayer, especially for the dead. So for this this month of the souls. Uh, now, finally, Thanksgiving. Yay! So let's talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. Um, both, you know, how, how should we celebrate that as a family? Uh, any ideas, any thoughts that you might have on that? Uh, but then also just, you know, what Thanksgiving actually is how we can actually be thankful and mm. of course being thankful to God and, and how we might be able to incorporate that into a holiday that's really, you know, more secular than, than religious, but how we can kind of, you know, bring, bring our faith into it. Yeah. And uh, I just love when secular holidays just point to the beauty of, of our Christianity and our, our, our deep desire for, for God. Uh, in ritual, I mean, everybody, yes. people have their Thanksgiving rituals. Yes, and you, whatever it is, I know for us is like we went, we played football, we came back, um, we ate food, like we fried up a turkey. Like everybody it was like a potluck on my mom's side. Everybody had to bring their own dishes. We had like five different types of stuffing. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> we, you know, ate, we watched football. Like it was just a whole yeah. like day that yeah. everybody has their rituals. Um, and so I think that just points us to this desire we have for ritual, the desire we have for. Um, for for something sacred, something holy, something set apart, um, and, and the sacred holiday obviously it means it says Thanksgiving. You know, we're giving thanks. And mm-hmm. We talk about the history of it with the pilgrims and the natives and how beautiful that is. But in particular, like we're called to give thanks. Yeah. It's a recognition that inter like there's something a part of us that has to that there's something greater than us, right? If I was the center of the universe, then I'd never have to give thanks for anything because I just deserve everything. Everything belongs to me. I'm in yeah. charge of everything um, because I'm the center. And so everything that people do for me, it's because I deserve it. Um, and that's, the, that's such an egocentric way of to live that actually just depressing. Whereas Thanksgiving is saying, well, I'm not the sin of the universe. And I'm, I'm not, like, I need help. And ultimately, God. And so I'm giving thanks to God um, and giving thanks to others for, for how God used them to bless my life, to transform my life. 
And so this act of thanksgiving ultimately belongs to God in that we recognize in humility, I have to give thanks because what I've received is gift. When I was a novice, I was preparing for Christmas and I met with my spiritual director and this was going to be my first Christmas, not with my biological family, you know, but with my new Franciscan family. And so just kind of talking to him, okay, hey, you know, a lot of the guys are going to be away and just, I'm not going to be home. It's going to be different. And and he gave me just some advice that has always just stuck with me. And he said, um, if you want to have a good Christmas, take care of the two tables. Um, Take care of the the table of the altar um, and make your liturgies meaningful and special and beautiful and reverent and and give that attention and give that time um, and pour into that. And then also take care of the table in which you guys are going to gather around um, to share meal and break bread. Um, and and I just thought that was just really really good advice as as a young religious. But then, um, but that yeah that 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 we come together around a table as as family and we come and we break bread and, and it's um it's a really beautiful thing and so um this is that maybe the one time of year in which we do that as a family everyone's so far away in our modern world and it's hard everyone's schedules are so busy but most everyone is able to get off work and come and so to take care of that time to to pour into that um to set aside whatever differences um, you might have as as family, you know, whether that's in you know, all, all whatever that could be, you know what I mean. Without into that can of worms, but but this is an opportunity to come in and 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 to share and to break bread with 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 family, um, and and to to give thanks for whatever it is that that God has given. Um, and so I would just offer that encouragement, just just to to make it special. Um, you know, we do that in different ways, and however, you know, whether that's dusting out the family recipe or, or busting out the, the good china or just um or just actually just making the time to drive to be with a family member um and also you know that that most i would think all um hopefully churches around will be offering a mass on that day yeah right um and that you know Again, we can we can give the Lord, as you're saying, Father, the the best parts, the first parts of our day. Often there'll there'll be a morning mass or whatever it might be. But that if we come together, as family, and absolutely celebrate, especially since you know the the word Eucharist comes from a word meaning meaning Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yeah, right? So we're offering that to to the Lord and thanking Him for all we have. And um, I think if anything, it's it is a very uh, family oriented, or should be a very family oriented you know, um, celebration. So just being with our loved ones and thanking the Lord for, for what he's given to us and what we have. So Thanksgiving. Can't wait. Yeah. Looking forward. Yeah, definitely. And Father, when are our masses? So we'll be having, off the top of my head, an 8 a.m. at St. Anne's Mission, a 10 a.m. at St. Peter's Mission, and then typically we move our St. John's to 10 but I don't know if we've decided on that. It'll be 8 or 10 here at St. John's Okay. Thanksgiving Day. So, so look for those updates. Welcome the updates. But definitely we have an 8 a.m. at St. Anne's and a 10 a.m. at St. Peter's. And then I think a 10 a.m. here at St. John's. Wow. Well, all this talk about Thanksgiving, it's making me hungry. Mm. So hungry. So I have, <laughs> yes. So I have a question having to do with food. And Thanksgiving? And Thanksgiving. Okay. Very intuitive. 
If you had only one plate to fill with your Thanksgiving favorites, wow. one plate, items? one opportunity. Do, how, like so, I get a plate. I could put. I can put. Other, I can put more than one thing on the plate. Oh, absolutely! Okay. You just have one plate. one plate. Okay. Do I have to put my desserts on this plate too? I just get one plate for my like pre meal, meal and post meal. Okay, so you have one plate with a dessert plate. Okay. Okay. One dessert. One dessert plate. Okay, only one dessert, mm -hmm. but one plate. Yeah. One plate of actual food. Mm -hmm. What is on that plate? Yeah, that's a good question. Father Anthony. Okay, uh, fried turkey. So fried. I, um, so Come <laughs> on now, Jesus. Let's go. Yeah, I love, I, so we deep fried a turkey growing up. Uh, not all entirely growing up, but my, when my brother James, uh, he got a, he had a house. It was like first Thanksgiving at his house, and he wanted a deep fried turkey. It's so moist. I, I, mm. I don't know how once you've had a deep fried turkey, you ever go back, unless you mm. have to. But it is so, so good. So anyway, uh, I have a, a piece of deep fried. You know, it's, it's not, don't think like deep fried chicken. Like you fry the whole turkey and then you just have a piece that looks like turkey, but it's really moist. You go on light or dark meat? A dark, I'm a. Okay. Yeah, well, that's an important good question. question. That's yeah, great. Good question. Yeah. So I'm going to dark meat. It's deep fried. Um, I'm, I'm a huge stuffing guy. Come like, on now, Jesus. I love really good stuffing. I like it a little bit spicy with a little bit of sausage mm, in there. Oh, wow. okay. Um, so we we made some some really good stuffing. So I got some stuffing on, on there. Um, we typically with my my sister in law makes these like I forget the name of them, but they call, I know they're, they're called corn savories, but they're like biscuits, but they have cream corn in them. It's wow. almost it's almost like a sweet biscuit. Oh, so good. So I've got one of those this on is there. A painful maybe, question. Maybe two. <laughs> yes. And um. Wow, I'm running out of room. It's, oh, I, the, I, I mean, you gotta have a, a little scoop of mashed potatoes. It's taking up. Some, uh, okay. Okay. Great. I know we're, no, we're different people. Wait for my plate. We're yeah, different here. people. Okay. I'm not. I can't fill it up. I've got a, a stuffing. I have more stuffing than I have mashed potatoes. Yeah, for sure, and I understand. Yeah. Um, Our Irishman is appalled. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm pretty much out of room, but I'm gonna put on just um, a little bit. Um, uh, so the, I like the cranberry, but not the canned stuff. I like the homemade, yeah. like cranberry, like sauce. Cause you put that with your Turkey. Oh, so good. And uh, it's got a little bit of gravy on there, um, on the Turkey itself. And then for dessert, pecan pie, piece of pecan pie. Mm. So I'm going dark meat, Turkey, healthy, healthy portion of that. Uh, just heaping scoops of mashed potatoes for sure. Just. <laughs> You're pretty much out of room on your just plate. Just light okay. and fluffy <laughs> and uh, just heaping scoops of, of, of stuffing as well. You're definitely yeah. out of room. And uh, that's, really, <laughs> that's, that's okay. Um, and then just smother that puppy in just as much gravy as you can get on that spoon. <laughs> and just let it all just swim in there. Drown uh, it. And then on the side, I'll have a piece of pumpkin pie and, and just a nice cup of coffee and like just. Call it a night. Oh, man. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Wow. Come on, tryptophan. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's what the coffee's for. Yeah, yeah. So I'll do a little turkey. Darker light meat. Oh, I think probably light meat. Mm -hmm. Um, with some gravy, definitely some stuffing. Uh, my grandma used to make these egg noodles with breadcrumbs on them, and mm. then you put gravy on top. Okay, that was really good. Some candied yams, and then it's a mistake. I, I love candied yams, <laughs> and then you'd have to put. You just have to have the pasta with meatballs on there too. I just—I I mean, I, I can't—I can't disapprove of that. It's that there. sounds. I can't um, ever say no to spaghetti meatballs. Oh yeah, and there's lots of gravy on the gravy things, but you gotta—you can't mix it with the 
pasta yeah, slices. Yeah, 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 that's, that's what. Yeah. This is a multi, yeah. You're a multiplayer person. Yeah, yeah uh, it's just no, no. It's all on the same plate. It's just you just got to be careful. Okay. It's a delicate process. And then for dessert, did you you said pumpkin pie? Yes. Um, dessert. You can be on the team with me. I do like pumpkin pie, but I think a warm piece of apple pie with some ice cream. So can I tell a funny story? This is totally tangential. Yes. Absolutely. When I was in Steubenville, so I go to a friend's house for my first Thanksgiving because uh, I just, to fly back for Texas, just a short trip and, you know, et cetera. But I ended up going to a friend's, but I had two friends stay on campus. And, uh, and the, what they were going to do when they had a little, little apartment, what they were going to do was go serve the homeless for Thanksgiving. Mm, yeah. Um, but uh, they kind of dressed like they were homeless men. Let's just be honest. <laughs> oh, boy. And so they go and they show up at like the, the shelter to go. And no one had shown up for Thanksgiving. There's all these like people there to serve and no one has shown up to eat. And so they walk in and everybody thinks they're two homeless guys. <laughs> oh, my God. And they're like, please sit down. <laughs> and like they're serving them all this no food. Way. And they felt so bad because the, there was no one else who would come to eat. All these people meant all this food that they couldn't tell. Them they'd no way. And they just ate Thanksgiving meal. And oh, that <laughs> is hilarious. Oh boy! Oh, Moral of the story: If you want a free meal, and, then yeah. Uh, that's okay, that's, I love it. That's something. Well, we 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 uh, we pray that you have a blessed Thanksgiving, that your families uh, have uh, enjoy each other's company, and uh, Father Peter Teresa, if you wouldn't mind uh, sending us off with with a blessing. Absolutely, Heavenly Father, uh, we just give you thanks and praise for all the many gifts that you have given us, and Lord, I just ask that you would just. Uh, pour forth your spirit upon everyone who is listening that they might have uh, just a blessed and a holy thanksgiving. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.